0: There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk
1: Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hawkey with Workflow Solutions.
2: Thomas, another week of The Business Show.
3: Another week, another dollar as they say, Willie. So, what's happening?
2: I thought I would kick it off with, they're now leaking out in the press that the the tax rises are coming. Right, so local authorities are screaming that they've not got enough money off of central government from Hollywood, And now they're going to put the burden onto the people. And my gripe with this is, Tom, is that I don't mind paying my taxes, my local council tax, and I don't mind them putting them up. But the problem I've got is the service I'm getting isn't good. And if I was buying a service off of anybody else and it wasn't good, I would not only be not going to pay for an increase, I'd be actually questioning why I'm paying what I'm paying. So I'll give you an example the things that we pay for, that we take for granted, that we pay our council tax, is our roads, right, our policing, our bins, and every part of that, nothing is any good. If your house gets broken in now, the police will not come. You get a crime number. I mean, what an advert that is for burglars. <laughs> right, seriously. And so for me to talk about going to raise taxes at this time. I think it's totally unacceptable.
3: So, well, we haven't kept positive for very long this week, Willie, but anyway, here's my tuppence worth for, for, for what it's worth. So through the Hunter Foundation, we've been working with um, some local authorities and the civil service trying to get a handle on, you know, there's all these big cuts coming from central government and everybody's saying, oh, there's no money, there's no money. I... I challenge this and say, I think it's an allocation problem, not a budget problem. And I come to this point of view because we did a bit of work and we asked the customer in a local authority area of all the services your local authority is providing for you, which ones are of any use? And the result was that the customer said they were only really interested in about 40%. Therefore, 60% was being wasted. So if that was a business, Willie, and your customer was only buying 40% of what you were offering, you would change your offering. But I don't see that happening in local authorities. And therefore, they keep putting the prices up for services which are not valued. So that's Matt Uppensworth on
2: that. I, I think, Tom, that what the government has to do, rather than just saying each year that we're going to slash the budgets to the local authorities, I think if, when possible, they have to take the handcuffs off and let local authorities be more entrepreneurial. Right, so all the ring fencing of various funds and you can't touch this. I mean, I know that when Glasgow said they were going to cut teachers, suddenly Edinburgh started jumping up and down and the First Minister stepped in. But uh, I've got sympathy for the local authorities, right? So it's not as if I'm saying they're just putting... But what we have to do is, we have to kind of keep... We've mentioned it before, let's be like Manchester. Right, Let's, let's sit down and look at what assets the local authority has how they can sweat them, how they can generate, uh, generate revenues, right, so that they, they don't have a deficit. But I believe that they've got to maybe then allow me to borrow or do whatever they can do. But when, when I go down and see what the people in Manchester have done over the last 10, 15 years, it is possible, rather than sitting back and complaining about not getting enough money, is to say, you know what, we're going to go on with it and we're going to make things happen. And if you go to Manchester, you can see, wow, what a job they've done in the past 10, 15 years.
3: Yeah. I think looking at this, if you were devising a system to, to run finances in a country, you wouldn't have the one that Scotland's got. No. The central government, who are the furthest away from the customer, are dictating to the local authority how they can spend it. And then the local authority are not listening too much to their customers and therefore the poor customer at the end of it who does pay for all these services doesn't have a voice we've talked about it before people making policy in a vacuum and not putting the customer at the center of all they do and here it is once again so the go Radio business show we're talking about the bins Swilly. let's get out the gutter here come on
2: but here's what makes people angry tom Then the Auditor General comes in to the Scottish Government and points out there were £2 underspent last year.
3: Underspent? Underspent. Oh, right.
2: Right. So (laughs) how does any council accept there's been a cut? So someone, someone please, everyone's got to be accountable. Can someone step up to a mic somewhere, maybe, you know, in the parliament and tell us why at a time when you're talking about cuts to local authorities and putting the average man and woman's rates up Right, so we'll wait for that one. Again, Tom, don't wait for the phone to ring.
3: <laughs> well, let me be positive about MPs this week. So down in Westminster, they got the bankers in and said, all these rate increases, you're you're very quick at putting your prices up to those who borrow, but you're not putting your savings rates up in time. So there was a right old stushie um, between the MPs and the CEOs of the banks last week, Willie. So I, I I don't think it's right. They're very quick to put the prices up to those borrowers. They're not so quick at putting the savings rates up. It's quite simple to me. Well, I think
2: you're right. And, and on banks, on that theme, have you seen that the Bank of England have said that they're going to look at Bitcoin we're going to look at a, digi- a digital pound.
3: Right. Well, I always listen to you, Willie, about cryptocurrencies. You're my crypto king. <laughs> so what is going on? I know nothing about this. Right. Well, it, I can understand that if we,
2: we just want to go digital with a currency. So instead of the pound, you know, people use their phones now to pay for things. So we don't actually need any currency at all. But my worry is, is that people don't get confused between Bitcoin being a digital pound and Bitcoin, right? So, as long as Bitcoin, for the Bank of England, is backed by tangible assets, I will buy into it. If it's cryptocurrency backed on nothing, then certainly I am not for it. And I'm sure that
3: that's not what the Bank (laughs) of England
2: are talking about.
3: I hope not, Willie, I hope not. Right, I've got a bit more good news, Willie. I can't wait. For any small business out there looking for financing, um, Scottish Edge, you and I back it. Um, The next round closes on Valentine's Day. I hope you've got a Valentine for Susan now. The 14th of February and it can all be done online and there's up to £100,000 available to businesses. If you're a social enterprise, there's up to £70,000 available and if you're a young edge business. You can get between ten to fifteen thousand pounds. That's a hundred percent of a grant. So get your applications in. It's one of the best things we do in Scotland. And the money is sitting waiting.
2: Well this is very up because it's actually been you know it's been said this week in, in the media that maybe that the early stage investment end of the Scottish ecosystem is not fit for purpose. You know, recent reports suggest that getting investment will be harder in 2023 than it has been in previous years. But in the very early stages of investment, market already broken. And so for me, you know, angel investors are increasingly looking for larger levels, right, and ask for support. So I think the edge is definitely perfect for that niche in the market where we need people who are just beginning to look at scale up.
3: Yeah. uh, well, the whole reason... That the Hunter Foundation, Nat West, and the Scottish Government put Scottish Edge together was because that early, that early stage financing is the most difficult because it's the most risky. It's yes. very simple. And but the edge run by the wonderful Evelyn MacDonald is brilliant. Do it online. The money's sitting waiting for you.
2: Just to say the impact of the show again, Tom, has been felt. See that the first minister is going to look again at the advertising buying for Scotch whisky.
3: I think if our first minister sat with a cold towel and a wee dram, she would see that doesn't make sense.
2: <laughs> no, it's, and obviously it's it's amazing that over the last ten, fifteen years, you know, we've been looking at what oil means to Scotland, right? And now we're seeing it doesn't mean anything. And then we're saying what whiskey means to Scotland in relation to the, how its contribution. It's frightening that now that we can be saying in a short period of time, that doesn't matter and this doesn't matter. I mean, what kind of message does it send where you may have an advertising budget of, say, £20 million, you spend £5 million of that advertised in the UK, you spend £15 million abroad for your exports. Exports is the biggest part of your market. And then you're your own government tells you that maybe we want to look at banning your advertising locally. It's just bonkers. And it's back to the situation that we spoke about last week, about every time you think of a policy, take double the amount of time that you took to come up with that idea, to look at the downside of that idea.
3: Yeah, I mean, we will keep banging on about this, Willie, because the government should be behind business and there's been a series of policy blunders In my opinion, from the rent freezes, the deposit scheme, returning of the bottles—oh my goodness, who came up with Um, that—to the alcohol ban and advertising, these are blows. Apprenticeship levy. Oh well, there's there's another um, employers' group coming out this week, Willie, agreeing with you, saying the apprenticeship levy doesn't work; it's too complex. I love your simplicity. If you're an employer, you take on an apprentice, it's tax deductible, end of story.
2: Here's advice for the First Minister, for the Cabinet. It would there'd be such gravitas behind this if you said, look, for the pittance that you receive from the UK on the apprenticeship levy, tell them to keep it and you're going to do your own thing. You're going to come up with your own ideas about how you can get young people into work. And I will guarantee you, if you go away from the apprenticeship levy, which brings in nothing, in Scotch terms, to Bob... Right, to the amount of young people you get into work if you allowed people to tax deduct the cost of an apprentice, only for three years. And after that, you start paying the tax. So for yep. me, you know, if, if, if the Scottish Government are listening, please, please, please look into this. Staying right. on good news, good, good news. news. It said that the, in the form of 150 million of investment funds pledged by the British Business Bank will be invested in Scottish businesses. And these funds are invested in existing Scottish-focused investors who then in turn make the investment decision. Great news.
3: I think it's terrific news and it's getting closer. It's letting the people closest to the business make these decisions. It's not somebody sitting in an ivory tower in Westminster or Holyrood. It's giving it to investment um, professionals who are close to the market, who understand their customers, make those decisions. Well done.
2: For the last few weeks, we've been actually, you know, making the point about government and politicians should keep out of business. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, you know, we we have, I've got to say we've harped on about it, right? But it's interesting reading this week that the Lords, right? Nothing wrong with them, I might add, (laughs) right? Want more control on government borrowing, Oh, my
3: Lord, Willie. Oh, my Lord. So, do you do you agree with that? Obviously, you'd sit in the upper house. So, what's your opinion?
2: Absolutely not. Again, Absolutely we're adding not. another layer. So, we can't be <laughs> hypocritical <laughs> and say on here that, you know, that government should keep out the way. But th- this is a bit different, obviously. So, it's government borrowing. So, when you see what they've been doing with the money, then, uh, you know, I can understand why that maybe the laws feel as if they have to have that um, overarching responsibility. But for me, I I don't think it's a good idea. I think that elected members within the Commons should hold people's feet to the fire. And it's interesting, we're talking about that, that two things, uh, Richie Sunak has said there's going to be a reshuffle. So is this the deck chairs moving around or do you think that this could make a difference?
3: Well, Rishi did his did his reshuffle um last week. Um we've got Greg Hans now who's the chairman of the Tory party taking over from the tax avoiding Naim Zazat So that's gotta be a good thing. And basically, he has broken up a number of government departments to try and give them more focus on his agenda. He wants to make the UK a sign superpower. So Grant Sharps, who was the business secretary, is now in charge of the Department of Energy, Energy Security and Net Zero. And Michelle Donan, she's now in charge of the Science, Innovation and Tech Department. So from the outside, I don't know much too much about it, but from the outside, it looks as if it's more focused into the areas of business that Rishi's Wants to invest in. So, is that a good thing? I'll tell you in two years if it's worked.
2: Well, I can tell you from my own experience anything that Grant Sharps is heading up, I would be <laughs> seriously <laughs> doubtful of anyone delivering on anything.
3: Right. So, I want to take you away from the Go Radio political. See, before, I... no, before we go away from Come that, on, we, we
2: can't miss this. We can't miss this. What about Liz Truss? <laughs> blaming the left-wing <laughs> economist for the <that> absolute <laughs> shambles that she resided over for 44 days.
3: Well, as you know, I don't get involved in politics, but I can't defend Liz Truss. I don't think anybody can. Well,
2: I'm talking about the effect that this has had in business, Tom. Right. People's mortgages, people's interest rates. You know, it's, it's fri- absolutely frightening that you think that you can have a political comeback Right within days of being the shortest ever in time in, in office as a as a prime minister that you think you can reinvent yourself after such a short period is frightening
3: yes that is frightening right, Give us your good quest- news I've got a question for you right so looking at sport as a business, I read this week that man city the premier League holders have the the Premier League has put to them. There's a hundred allegations of breaking the rules, the spending rules. How can how can a, a, a football club, Willie, break the law a hundred times? I mean, how does all that work?
2: I'll tell you, Tom, because I've got experience of it. Right. After working in the Middle East for two and a half years. Right. If you've got money, there's no such thing as rules.
3: <laughs> right. Okay.
2: Serious. I'm serious. <laughs> It's how do you f- find your way around them? And every one of them, PSG, you know, or all the, all the, all the, all the Arabian wealth funds, right? Just, you know, don't care about rules. Don't care about rules. And, and so PSG got found... You know, suddenly you get a commercial deal from an airline that's 10 times the size of a deal, you know, <laughs> that, that, you, that we would normally get. And the interesting thing on the Man City thing is... This investigation's been going on for four years.
3: Oh, okay. right, four years. Know. So if if they're
2: found guilty, there's no doubt they'll be being stripped of titles. They'll be stripped of FA cups, and we hundred charges against you, right? Um, you, I would say you're in border. now. You know, you're innocent until proven guilty. But the most yep. damning thing on the whole report is, is that the that the investigators actually says they're lack of cooperation was tangible. Oh, right. Right, so that doesn't help you when you're going in you know, for someone to make, but but the thing that the fans have been most worried about is, and I was amazed to see this this week, when Pep Guardiola, the manager of Manchester uh-huh. City, was asked this at the press conference, he was dead honest and open. He says, when these charges surfaced two years ago, whenever it was 18 months, I asked the people in charge. I asked them. I asked them a hundred times. <laughs> and a hundred times they assured me there was no wrongdoing. And I told them, I believe you. If they have lied to me, I will not be here.
3: Wow. Well, nobody's above the law, Willie, that's for sure. So I'm gonna finish with a good bit of news. Um JD Sports, one of my old competitors when I was in the sports business, they're going really well, really strong. And the new chief exec has committed to spend over the next five years £3 billion in capex. And he's going to open, he still believes in shops, he's going to open between 250 and 350 shops every year worldwide. Wow good luck to them well I wish them every
2: success But that sort of investment especially as people say that you know the high street is on its knees it's yep. great to hear that people still believe in it
3: absolutely
1: coming next Hunter and Hockey chat to David McCutcheon CEO of Bullet Express the Go Radio business show with Workflow Solutions part of the Scottish procurement framework for managed print solutions available to all public sector bodies and charities Go radio.
0: There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is David McCutcheon, CEO of Bullet Express. For over three decades, Bullet Express have provided logistics and storage solutions to their customers in the UK, Europe and worldwide.
2: Our special guest in the studio this week is David McCutcheon. I think, David, that you've been running Bullet Express for many years than I can remember, but I'll let you tell the listeners a wee bit
4: more about that. But it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Really, really pleased. Uh, been trying to get here for a wee while, as as you well know. So delighted to get here eventually.
3: Yeah, David, it's great to hear you on the show this morning. You and I go back a long ways. You were, you were carrying parcels for sports division. So I think the listeners this morning will really learn a lot from your journey, your entrepreneurial journey. So let's hear it. David, just tell us a wee bit about yourself, the early days, your idea about what
2: made you entrepreneurial, your partnership, you know, whatever you're doing, and then a bit about the business.
4: Uh, well, I was born and bred in Rutherglen, um, born in 1962, uh, brought up in Fernhill, just across from the, as they always say, the hole in the wall. Yeah. And uh, went to Spital Primary, Cathkin uh, High School, left school at 16 because um, I get the opportunity a job. I was one of those that was lucky enough, could leave at that time of year. Um, I had no intention I, if I got the opportunity to leave carrying on and sitting my old levels I mean I'd done quite good in the prelims but got the opportunity to job and I always wanted to work so I got a job in a company called CMT Steels behind the old Ruth in Rutherglen um, and I was put on a six month training course um, my dad's friend got me the job um, it was initially it was like three weeks burning plates three weeks moving steel three weeks in the in the truck and then I got an opportunity to go in and do telesales and I found it really, really easy. I absolutely loved it. Um, and within about two weeks, when in that office. They said, look, you're not going any further. You're going to stay here. And uh, I started selling steel and that's where the sales angle came in. Um, moved a couple of times doing exactly that, um, selling steel. And then I got a wee bit involved in the transport industry where a freight forwarder, again, I was selling. Um, so enjoyed that. And then I moved on a few years later, worked for MFI. you remember the old MFI? I oh, yeah. worked yeah. in there. Um, and then I went to Reed Furniture, and I was in Reed Furniture doing a bit of sales. Moved into customer service, um, enjoyed that. Um, and then life took a bit of a turn, got a divorce. Um, life was tough for a while, um, got a wee flat. And I was actually unemployed for a few months and uh, got bored you know, about three or four months, got bored, just sat up one day. Says, "Need get a job, can I be doing this sitting about." So I bought a, um, a Herald. I remember only time I think I would bought a Herald at that time. Found a wee job which uh, turned out to be what they what they called at that time, parcel line, which you will now know as DPD. Um, company car, sales rep, travelling the country, covering Ayrshire, believe it or not, ah. um, and uh, south of south of Glasgow, and took to that what like, a duck to water, brilliant, absolutely loved it. Um, done that for a couple of years, it uh, took me about 1990 and then the big change in my life happened when Italia 90 came round and myself and a couple of mates decided we'd head off down to um, Port de Grimaud, down that area and stay there and go and see Scotland for three games which was full of highs and lows, Costa Rica being a terrible <laughs> low, Sweden being a high and then, then and Jim Leighton for the rest of my life. Um <laughs> But uh, we'd done that and I actually met a few guys down there who had a villa, showed me a bit, of, a bit of, what I felt was a bit of life and I thought, I really I really want a bit of this and that, that kind of changed my attitude. Came back home, um, took my girlfriend away for a week's holiday right away because the boss was on holiday. That that girlfriend's now my wife, Tracy. And uh, when I came back, I get sacked from <laughs> parcel line. So... I always remember it, you know, I thought that day was was the worst day of my life, came back home in tears, sat in the pub across the road as you do. And and I look back now, I look back a few years later. It was actually the best day of my life, but I thought it was the worst.
3: So, David, just for the listeners this morning, your entrepreneurial journey, you you'd never really thought of setting up your own company until out of adversity you thought, I'll do it now. Is that is that the case?
4: Yeah, very much so. You know, starting my own business was never in my head at all. Right. Um, and when when the incident happened and I, and I lost my job, I had the confidence by then. I knew I could do it. I knew people, I knew the customers. We'd one big customer in particular, um, which was Ayrshire Labels. I'm sure you know them well. Yep. Um, it's now McFarlane Group and still a customer of ours to this day. That was our main client. And that was, um, there was a lot of, Companies at that point, um, I would say they were disorganized. So that was good for us because we fixed it. Whatever they got wrong, we fixed it. Right. So we'd done hot shots all over the country. It was brilliant, great fun. Um, I would say, crazy to think we had no mobile phone at that time. So to start a courier company without any mobile phones was a bit crazy. Yeah. And I think a few months later, we got one of the big Dell Boy phones and <laughs> pagers and all that. And, and it kind of changed the. Change the, the the landscape for for courier yeah. work. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was interesting to suddenly go in yeah. to do that. But again, and I, I know we're obviously in the radio, but just to let Willie see, I brought along my first set of books. I sat and ripped out the first set of books, and I had to do the the division and and work out the VAT and the tax we had to pay and all that. So I had to go and I had to go and learn all that. So I started going to the small business clubs, which were great because there was always somebody there could help you and obviously that knowledge led on to you know the, the entrepreneurial exchange which was incredible help. So,
2: so so i need to say yeah, funny you, you brought up that i was actually a very small investor in the mcfallon group We back many many years ago you know, well there you yeah. go so small world tell tell the listeners about you know obviously you're in the pub you're
4: crying you've just been sacked right so what happened next what did you do well, well, that was, uh, the, the tears were mainly because I had a mortgage and I had a, an overdraft and I had a, a payment. and And a girlfriend as well. And, you know, I didn't know where we were going to go from there. And it came down to a conversation with um, a guy who'd worked in personally and he phoned me up and he said, look, um, he'd been paid off three or four weeks earlier. He said, look, why don't we start a courier company? So I thought, right, okay, that's easy. He says, I'll do the driving, I've got the van and you just do the sales, you're the salesman. Right, easy, let's go. And, and that's what we've done. And along with that guy, I ran with that guy for about three months. And then, cut a long story short, I just decided he wasn't for me. And I was leaving. And at the time, my, my now business partner and cousin and greatest friend, Gary, um, Gary was working for us. We'd brought Gary on as a driver. Gary had been a panel beater. And he's just fed up panel beating. And I said, Why don't you come and drive? It's great. You get to go to Leeds and Liverpool and <laughs> London and, you know. So I mean that was and there was no lights name seventy-four. That was a nightmare. You know, we're first van, we one van with a radio and one with it. And if if you had a tough journey, you got the radio.
2: And if had the same name right from the start.
4: But... Yeah, yeah. Well it was because the guy the guy at Parcel Lane told me I was getting the bullet and I didn't twig what he meant. So we called it <laughs> we called it Bullet Express. Brilliant. You know, uh, so, yeah. but it it seemed like a terrible day. And then as I say, it all started and it just grew and grew really, really fast. You know, I think I was looking in the books there, the first month we turned over £6,000, which in 1990 wouldn't have been too bad, you know. So right. it, it just it just grew and grew and we, we doubled the vans and brought on drivers. And, and as I said, going to the business clubs and talking to people who had done it before um, was a big help. A lot of times you I think you know it's the right decision, but it's nice when somebody confirms, yeah, that's the way to do it. Or, or tells you, no, don't do that, do well, this.
2: You've just confirmed what me and Tom have been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, that you know the entrepreneurial exchange back in the day was invaluable for guys like me and you. I, I had the same experience. So that networking, bringing you know, the idea that Tom and all the founders away back then, Gerald Weisfeld, you know, um, everybody else that was part of that, to, to gather all up-and-coming businesses of all sizes and Glen Eagles once a year and letting people network was, like, invaluable. I met everybody that that probably today's would only have some of the biggest names, some of the biggest businesses. I met them up in Glen Eagles thirty years ago as as, as, as startups.
4: Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean Gary and I used to always go to to Glen Eagles. That was one of the highlights of the year. Um, you know, not just the the networking, the dinner. Meeting meeting people, um, you know, the sing song at the end of the night, the <laughs> golf tour. I loved the golf tour, which I managed to win one year. Um, it was just great fun. And, and to rub shoulders with the people, I remember on one occasion I, I, I'd missed one of the supper clubs and it was something I needed to know and I just phoned the guy up because he was in the exchange and he just, no problem, we'll go to lunch tomorrow. And, and he helped me greatly with that problem. But Gary and I used to always say, we got up to Glen Eagles and we always come away. On a Friday, where we golden nugget, there was something, and we called it our fuel stop. That fueled us up, and we came back, and probably most of the staff didn't like the Monday when we came back because (laughs) everything would change because somebody had told us something that we knew was the right way to go. Amazing. So, yeah, it was, and and listening to people, people who'd done it, you know, and, and a lot of times what you want to do, and you learned it at the exchange, was listening to people's failures. It's amazing the amount of people who tell you what they've done wrong, and that was more help than the things they've done right. So,
3: so, so, David, help help the listeners this morning because you know, bullet express, you know, people will now see the trucks in the road, and everybody thinks, oh well, it's an overnight success, easy for them. What about some of your failures? What what did you learn from them, and what can our listeners learn from them this morning?
4: I think um, the first thing that, that, that I always learned was was ne- never be frightened to fail. You know, have a go at something. Um, make mistakes. You have to make mistakes to learn. Just don't make them twice. Yep. You know, my life's been full of wee, wee phrases. And, you know, one of the great ones you, you said to me, Tom, I remember was never be frightened to employ people that are better than you. That's right. I remember, I remember coming away, scratching my head, saying, he's nuts. What's he talking about? <laughs> but... You know, ironically, I've done it so many times, um, and that's been the success part of the success of our business. But um, I remember, you know, in, in making decisions with vans and buying the wrong van. One one of the I, I bought a van at an auction one occasion. When Gary and I, if we weren't in Doors, we went to auctions. So we were <laughs> we were always. And if you go to an auction, I don't care who you're tempted to buy something <laughs> even though you don't need it. And uh, I bought this van for two and a half grand. It should have been four grand. And I'm saying, this van's fantastic. What a deal I've got here for Gary. I've bought my van. <laughs> and he went away that afternoon. We, we insured it and picked it up that afternoon, went away with it. And, uh, and and Gary took the van to do the delivery. And then he phoned me up from Farlands and it was one of the old electricity board vans. And the door opened. Instead of opening sideways to put the pallet in, the door opened up the way. Of course, you couldn't get the pallet in, but... <laughs> Gary being the entrepreneur he was, um, loosened the hinges, borrowed a rope and pulled the door up high and got the guy to get the pallet in. <laughs> so I realised then Gary would fit in well.
2: We, we hope that wasn't an old pallet of the show as well as <laughs> Jonathan Miller that sold you a pup,
4: was it? <laughs> it probably was. It was the old auction See, house at the meat market. That's right, I, that was him. That was it. We, we used to go in there and buy, buy cars and vans and
3: whatever. <laughs> so don't go to auctions as your first tip. And, and So where was your first premises?
4: Uh, the first pr- premises that we, we worked at it was was my house. Oh. You know, that was that was the first offices. We moved into one in Swanson Street. We were we were given a desk in a corridor. Um I remember coming in one morning, there was ice on the desk, it was a metal desk. <laughs> um and then we managed to get we managed to get a wee premises round uh, in Milcroft Road, just along for your old place, yeah. really. Um and it was next door to my cousin's old place. The guy next door then offered to give us a ground lease. Because he was retiring, the, the plumbing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then bought uh, Thompson Hunter. And then, our first big move, we were going to buy um, a building just up the road a bit, but a company called City Refrigeration bought it <laughs> the, <laughs> what the, behind it? we're back. <laughs> the, 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 the building right next to, well, what's now the motorway? Oh, Southcroft. So yes, Southcroft. Oh. So that that one was taken off. As I, I didn't know a Willy Hockey at that time, but. Baby, I need to
2: tell you, honestly, <laughs> buying that building was the best bit of business
4: I've ever done know, in my life. I know. <laughs> I know the story. Yeah, I paid 600 grand for it and I got 17 million know, for knocking it down. I know. Don't <laughs> remind me. Don't remind me. But uh, listen, you know, business life's full of those moments. If you turned that way and went that way, exactly. things, things would have been different. But within um, 2002, the, the business had built up. We were now getting involved in heavier freight as opposed to just couriers running about the UK, courier vans and... A property came up, um, we needed somewhere to go. I tried to stay in Rutherglen, couldn't get that building we were talking about. So I decided I had to look further afield. So I, I just get in my car and and I drove about for two days and just looked for buildings and phoned people and is this for sale, is that for sale? And we seen this building um, and I really fancied it. I thought this is brilliant, right beside the motorway, good links. Um, and it was, it was owned by a company called Securicor who were uh, obviously in parcels and freight, but they were moving towards being DHL. They were moving the buildings on, they didn't really want property. So there was a bit of to and fro and, and we ended up, um, we got the opportunity to buy it. They were under a lease and the last person had went into administration, then you need to do the Um, So they were looking at the thick end of 200 and odd thousand dilapidations. So we were wanting to buy the building. I spoke to the guy who owned it in London um, and he didn't really want to sell it. So I spoke to Corps and asked them if they would give me a hundred grand, I'll let them out the lease and save them a hundred grand. And I offered the guy in London a hundred grand over what he wanted for it. And he sold it to us. And that was probably one of the biggest changes up to 2016, which I'll come on to later, in terms of our business becoming the size it is now. It gave us a real high profile building right on the motorway. Obviously everybody could see us. Um, and, it, and it changed what we have done. We we started moving into a lot heavier freight. We had the facilities and and a quality building.
2: To, and that's to the work. site you're still on today.
4: The one at Bothwell, yes. yeah, the yeah. one at Bothwell. Well, yeah. well, in saying that, you know, over the years we've bought you know land all about it, and you know, as people left, we we took it over and bought it, yeah. and it's now like a we a, a sort of Scottish super hub where we we um, collect and deliver 1,500 pallets a day through there. Wow, that's open 24 hours a day six days a week. So Tom, here's my story. Right. About that premises.
2: Like you, I've known Davey for many years and a number of years ago he asked Jack McConnell and myself to come and do a wee cutting of ribbon doing at that right. factory. Uh, and Jack phoned me the day before and says, are you coming to this tomorrow? We're coming to cut the ribbon to open Davey's new factory. Just, right. I goes along the next day knowing the Davy's factory's been here a long time, right? <laughs> and it goes along and Jack pulls me aside and he says, do you know, we're here to open a canopy. That's right. <laughs> Davy had built a lean-to onto the side of the building <laughs> so these guys that were unloading the
4: truck were out of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually impressed that Jack knew what a canopy was. Aye, aye. I mean, that was, that was a great day for us. You can always talk about that. too. too many, many companies can say the two lords in the one building in the one day. It was pretty impressive.
3: Well, I've got to tell you a wee story about Davy. So we're down in Monaco at the Grand Prix and we're having a wee party in the boat and Davy and Gary always gate crashed it and we were always pleased to see them because they're good company. But next door to us was Mohammed Al-Fayed, That's right. who owned Harrods at the time. But he was kind of sitting, looking a wee bit lonely. Our our boat was rocking and rolling and having a great party. And I said to Davy, look at." Look at poor Mohammed there. So anyway, I never thought any in, in more of it. The next thing somebody says to me, look who's speaking to Mohammed Al-Fayed. So Davy had got off our boat onto Mohammed's, and he was trying to negotiate the logistics contract for Harrods. So you <laughs> could never keep a good entrepreneur down. Is that right, Davy?
4: That's right. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that was quite a famous day in my life. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> we Actually, that, that day, I um, obviously ended up talking about football because he owned Fulham and I had already arranged I was going to go to a pre-season game and uh, we'd spoke to him about our school in Malawi that obviously you got us involved in Tom and we were having a charity ball so he gave us uh, he gave us a personal shopper for the day funds to get them down there some money to spend in Harrods and he sent me four tickets for Rangers Fulham Wow That's good How many did they beat you by? We win 4 nothing that day, and that was Dad O'Priso's first game. Oh, it was back in the old days?
3: I remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on, stick, stick to the Go Business
4: <laughs> Show, right. boys. Come on now, can't it be arranged yourself. David, right. tell, tell the listeners the size of the business today. Uh, today, um, this year, we've got 150 staff approximately and growing. We've got uh, five warehouses totaling about 600,000 square feet, uh, 150 staff, uh, about 150 trucks and trailers. And this year we'll probably touch about twenty million turnover. Fantastic! And still privately owned. Yeah, still privately owned by yeah. myself and Gary. Yeah. yeah.
2: Fantastic! Uh, what, what a journey! What yeah. a journey! So, would he, would he, what's the what's the what's the goals for the future?
4: Well, I mean, at the moment we, we've kind of we've kind of created the logistics circle, so we can bring in containers, we can strip them, um, we can then store them, we can pick pack them, and we can distribute them. So we're, we've completed the whole circle. At the moment, our storage side, we went from, and we got involved in that in about 2014, 2015. 2016, we moved into our bailison site, which is 200,000 square feet. Um We've got the same again in land at the back that we'll look to develop shortly. Um With 2,000 pallets, we've now got touching forty seven, forty eight thousand 48,000 pallets over three different sites, um or four different sites now. So it's just to grow that. That side's... Supplying as we customers all the time, and we're able to touch other areas, and obviously um, customs care as well. We do that. So at the international stage is is big for us now. Bringing in shipping containers worldwide was great. Obviously during the tail end of COVID, when it got to fifteen thousand dollars a container, it was a bit tough to say wow. the least, because you know the way it works. A lot of times we are paying for that up front and yeah. on the customers' behalf. And obviously COVID obviously created
2: problems for you.
4: Yeah, th- COVID was was very, very difficult. I mean, I, I, you know, it's one of those things, you know, where, where were you when X, Y and Z happened? Well, I, I remember the, the Thursday night standing watching the news in the house in silence saying, I can't believe the country's going to shut down. If anybody, they said, the government's going to pay people to stay in the house and you can't get in your car. and you, It was incredible. Never had anything like that in my life. Um, and then to get back into work, I always remember going back into work the next day, very quickly we realised we were essential users and all that. So we were allowed we, to give drivers sheets and crazy stuff like, um, you know, one of the funny things was on the Friday, the drivers come in and said, we can't I go to the toilet. And we're looking at each other saying, What well, what? You never think, where does a driver go to the toilet? Well, what he does, he does a delivery and then says, can I use your toilet, mate? But suddenly the mate was saying, "Sorry, you're not allowed in my toilet." Yeah. So we had we had to go and buy two hundred Demijohns, uh, hygiene kits, a fogger, to get the drivers out in the Monday. Wow. It was unbelievable. And and I remember we we had a sub-tenant at the time. We still have them, um, and they used the communal toilets. And of course the cleaner never turned up. And it was it was my first. We'd brought in the new MD at that point. It was my first week as CEO of the business. And nobody would clean the toilets and everybody's putting their head down and I'm saying, I oh, know you go and clean these toilets. <laughs> and I did. So I got, I got this equipment, went in and cleaned all the toilets. Somebody had to do it. Brilliant. You know, to keep Brilliant. the place going. So in
2: the last 60 seconds, get your company a wee plug. Anybody out there with any logistics, requirements, how do they get in touch with you?
4: Um, obviously they can get us at Um, or they can phone our offices on 0330. 102.75.00. double um, but you know you can get as the most people know us now. We're, we're quite well known to most companies, but the biggest thing that that the they probably don't grasp is the the variation of freight that we do. We can cover everything. We can bring your containers and strip them, ship worldwide, whether it be a parcel or a or a full container. So we can do everything.
3: So David, it's been brilliant to have you on the show this morning. I think the listeners will get a few nuggets. And something I've really admired about yourself and Gary over the years is you've never been frightened to pick up the phone. Whether it's picking up the phone to say, can I get a wee bit of advice? Or whether you're picking up the phone to customers just saying, can I do a service for you? You're just so super positive about your business. And the other great thing is you've got a great heart, You school in Malawi, and you always put something back into the community. So... Good on you.
4: Thank you, Tom. As you always say, work hard, play hard, and we've, we've lived by that. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming
2: on the show. It was a great story. Thank you, David. Thank you, Willie.
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper based processes into an organised digital archive. Go
0: Radio! There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk
1: The Board You Can't Afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and
5: Hockey.
2: So the Board You Can't Afford, our caller this morning is Johnny Manning. Johnny, good morning.
5: Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, good.
2: Would you like to tell the listeners a wee bit about yourself, the business, and whatever your question is?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My name is, like I said, Johnny Manning. Um, I own a commercial uh, electric vehicle charging business based in Ayrshire called Connect TV Charging, uh, which is essentially a a network and installation business. Um, And to lead on to my question, essentially, we've taken on probably nine employees in the last six months, um, all based in in Ayrshire and from Ayrshire and, and close by. And as I can our company continues to grow and the rapid pace it's grown at which is essentially in line with the speed the industry's grown at I was looking to see if we'd be able to provide some kind of fundamental points or advice to to look out for and, and to ensure that I'm prepared for to maximise the growth and the, the quality uh, that I'm growing at and the time frame that I have to do so given the speed the industry's going at so yeah i just like to see if we'd be able to help and advise given the experience and the growth that you guys have had with your uh, businesses over the years.
3: So morning, morning, Johnny. It's Tom here. And um, I'm delighted that you're creating jobs down in deepest Ayrshire. So good Uh, on you, son. Thank you. So the thing about fast-growing businesses, and it's something you'll hear me go on about every week, is you've got to be on top of your cash flow. You've got to understand when the money's due to come in, who you've got to pay, how are you going to finance it? Are you getting good credit deals? What do you need to do? But every single day, I was on top of my cash flow as we were growing yeah. really rapidly. But I understood the levers in the business that I could pull and I understood, oh, right, that's not quite right today. And therefore, knowing... Your cash flow numbers, Johnny, is number one for me. But what do you think, Willie?
2: Well, I think that what you have to do is when you get the opportunity to grow, you have to make sure that that growth doesn't kill you. Right? right. And, and that can put some businesses, you know, out of business because they just bought off two more than they could chew. And I think that when when Tom talks about cash flow, it's about about cash management as well. So if someone came along tomorrow and it sounded great that they wanted to give you the opportunity of putting in 300 charging points, that you'd have yep. to look at, what does that mean? You know, what, what From cradle to grave, what does that mean to us? And there's some times where you have to say no. I've had right. situations yeah. in the past where some of my guys would, would deal with a client and uh, you, know, you get the feeling that the, the the client maybe was going off you. right? And I always said to them, just watch that he doesn't give you too much, right? What he's right. trying to do is so he can go go back to the people above him and say, "Look, we shouldn't use these people because you know they've let us down." So you know, I think that it's, it's not just about the cash flow; it's actually about the cash management. So, as you said, this industry, you know, is is rocketing, right? So you could probably double and double and double for the next five years, you know, and, yep. and more. Um, So I would I would just say to you that. It's, and I know I've know it's. i been through this conversation myself at the moment about charging points, and I know there's quite a bit of capital involved. So, you know, yeah. if, if you can be a subcontractor that's supplying labour and you're not having to fork out the cash for the equipment and the various things, then, you know, that's fine. But if anyone's asking you to, to take it all on in the whole package, and it means, you know, that you've got to look for funding, you've got to look for external funding, then I would, I'd think long and hard before I, 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 what I would say took that quantum.
5: Right. Okay. No, it's interesting. Um, I'm actually, um, yeah, I, say, I don't know if it's okay to say, but on scale up Scotland, we're actually in the process of going into that. Um, we, yeah, yeah. I've got a meeting next week with Ken, Ken, and okay. mm-hmm. Ewan So I'm in seeing them over at your estate um, next Thursday. Right. So, okay. Uh, I'm really keen. I'm obviously very keen to do it. I actually, ironically, heard it on your radio show um, about the about the advertising. I thought this is exactly what I need to be getting into. I feel right. Can I set up a business? Absolutely. I managed to grow it very quickly to the extent yet we'll have, and it's getting to a level and starting to see some cracks, obviously, which is really good and healthy because you want to know how to repair them and grow from that. Um, and then a, a programme like Scale Up Scotland came along and I thought that's something I need to get into. How, how
2: long have you been in business? How long have you been set up?
5: So <laughs> this is a double-ended question. It's not a salesman's answer. It's, it's uh, So we've actually been set up officially in trading from... About February, so probably March, if I'm realistically, of, the, of 2022. However, I spent two years developing an kind of electric vehicle charging network, which bespoke to um, commercial businesses and business, workplace businesses in Scotland and I've actually got a quote in with you Willie, at one of your places <laughs> as well, well <laughs> over but, at City yeah. well, a, well, the
2: bad guy. news for you is even though you're seeing Ken and you and next week we're talking and you're talking we probably don't get near it. <laughs> good luck. No, look, I'm aware of that. Good luck. Good luck. luck. Good luck. No, to say that says, uh, I'm getting a new <laughs> electric car <laughs> hopefully yeah, very yeah. soon so I'll definitely need sure. a charging point. But, uh, good luck when, when you get in front of you and, and Ken and, uh, no, you know, no, and we'll so. be watching with interest to see how the business grows. Yeah. Okay, Johnny,
3: okay. thanks uh, for the advice as well. Really appreciate it's, it. Um, it's, It's great and the whole reason we come up with Scale Up Scotland is exactly for your question. The best people for entrepreneurs to learn from are other entrepreneurs and that's what we do at Scale Up Scotland. So I can't influence the outcome, I'm I'm afraid, a bit like Willie. No, I know that. um, (laughs) We wish you the best of luck. Keep in touch with the show and let us know how you got on thanks
5: for calling well we do thank you very much guys appreciate it thank you bye
1: the Go Radio Business Show with workflow solutions helping your business with document management print and IT solutions